Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called The Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. For the story, it's just, you know, a classic avenging angel mm-hmm. tale. Um, it really comes from me wanting to, like, kill a lot of people. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And today we have a very special guest. It's director and co-writer of a movie called Slacks. It's Elsa Kephart. Um, the movie comes out on VOD, Digital HD, and DVD on September 7th. Elsa, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so why killer pants? <laughs> That's what everyone <laughs> is dying to know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was never a real reason. It started really because Patricia and I are very silly people. Nice. Um, and, and I think that's how a lot of good art starts. You're just being silly and it just sort of spontaneously comes out of your brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we were on a road trip with a third friend and it was a very long road trip between Gainesville, Florida and uh, New Orleans. Oh yeah, you're gonna get the creative juices flowing yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we w- would play games to pass the time. Like, what word do you hate? And my friend um, hated the word slacks. <laughs> so <laughs> Patricia and I, being so nice, kept repeating it over and over to her in like an evil voice, like slacks, <laughs> slacks, slacks. <laughs> and and I was, I was like, oh my god, that sounds like a, an evil pair of pets, doesn't it? Patricia was like, yes, it does. We should write a movie about it. And so that's how it started. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Literally, it was as dumb as that. And so it took a long time to get the script to uh, to a place where it actually made more sense than just being a silly joke between friends. Yeah. Hey, how did you? So how did you write this screenplay together? Did you did you both get in a room together and say, okay, why why doesn't this happen, and then do that, or did you just do it individually and pass it along? How did that work? Um, well, we had three really major drafts. So the first draft was like the original idea of just killer pants. It was set in a high school. It was very bad, um, and that we actually wrote together. Like I would go visit Patricia, who used to live in Gainesville, and then. We would just sit there and like, you know, I would type for a bit and then she would type for a bit. Um, but that that really, it was sort of a one note joke. And then we put it aside for a million years and then Patricia moved back to Montreal. Um, and then we, again, we sat down in a room and sort of wrote the thing together. Um, and then for the last draft, uh, we had started to to rethink about it. 
you know, just sitting down and sort of uh, brainstorming. And then one day I was like, I saw a documentary about fast fashion and I was like, oh my God, I know exactly how to write this script. So I sort of took the the ideas that we'd been kicking around and just sort of went on a mad, mad dash. And, uh, and then I said to Patricia, I, I wrote this, rewrote the script. She was like, oh, great. And so then <laughs> she came in and she's, she's really great with story and with, uh, with horror and slasher point parts, like I'm really good with um, characters and dialogue. So I had, I sort of needed to dive in to get a feel for all the characters. And then she, she made sure that all the great uh, deaths were on cue and that the action worked really well and that everything, like all the story points were satisfactory and stuff. So she's really great with structure and, and, uh, and fulfilling the promise of, of a great uh, slasher. She really loves slashers, so she brought in that element. So we sort of worked separately in a way for mm-hmm. that last mm-hmm. draft, but uh, but it's both of our creation, hundred uh, percent. Right. Um, I don't rare. I rarely get into the effects this early into an interview, but you know, Go for at it. the at the end of uh, you know in in the middle of the credits, you see uh, you know you see one of these people sort of like puppeteering the. Uh, the the pants and they're in this green suit and and everything did was was that a lot of it or did you also use visual effects or did you use time uh, stop motion anywhere or anything like that no it was a hundred percent puppeteering oh wow yeah yeah it was really important for myself as a director and then patricia and Anne marie as producers who who really love practical effects that it be done live i mean absolutely we, we did enhancements obviously or removal because you know you don't see the puppeteer maneuvering the the pants i would say the only piece of digital uh enhancement or the or digital effects was when the um, when Slacks drinks the blood, I mean, I'm not giving anything away. It's about the <laughs> and the like. The its logo sort of fills up with red. That was yeah. done digitally, but everything else, it was just removal of puppeteers. We we had, I think we had vaguely talked about stop motion, but then no, the the special effects team and the puppeteer were just so great that they they just animated them live. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so. it really is. I I like the I like the idea, by the way, of the you know the jeans covering up their their crime <laughs> and everything. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny, uh, you know, because they don't really need to. But no. <laughs> but you know what? That came because the first AD it was a real stickler for like for like logic. So mm-hmm. which sometimes we had fights because he was like, no, but how does this make sense? And I was like. Because it just does, and then sometimes he gave in, and some, and then for the thing with like covering up its tracks, he was like, "No, but look, if people were in the store and they kept seeing this blood, they would knew something was wrong." So you can't just pretend the blood just disappears. You can't just pretend that it's there and people don't notice it. And I was like, "Okay, okay, fine." So the bl- the pants will will clean after itself. Okay, it's a woman. <laughs> well, again, maybe I'm giving away, but uh, I don't I don't think I'm giving away too much, but. You know, she's very thorough. She likes to, she doesn't like to leave a mess. That's, that was my logic. In the end. It's no just a sexist. great detail. I hate cleaning, but that's how I sort of like uh, made sense of it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, all, all like the, Jonathan and I talked to a lot of horror directors and everything. And like the one 
uh, one thing that we love about horror is that there's always it. There's always some sort of social commentary. Like the mm-hmm. best horror has that has that element to it, and then and this one does too. I don't want to really give it away, but um, one thing that uh, we I think we can talk about is the uh, is the Canadian cotton clothiers um, <laughs> with the uh, the company that. Uh, on the surface is, you know, saying we do all these great things and everybody loves them and nobody really digs deep into mm-hmm. them. Uh, uh, and, and we, you know, we have our, our naive character that comes in with that same sort of ideal, like, Oh, I'd love to work for a place like that. But, <laughs> um, uh, you know, the, the, the toxicity of this company seeps down into even the lowest level employees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, I was wondering how, how deep, uh, did you know of this company's evil when you were writing it? Uh, did you, did you, did you explore more ways of how it could be evil or was this just known when you started writing about it? Uh, no, it was sort of, I mean, it was based on the gap pretty much. Um, <laughs> Good. Patricia... I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're able to name call here yeah. and not worry about who, who you're offending. I, I oh no. That. Oh no. Like, Oh, offend someone who produces things we don't need. What? <laughs> um, no, because Patricia worked at the gap. So, uh, oh. in writing the script, she really informed, uh, that all the aspect of it, especially the all the details like the the manager character and the just the details of of uh how everything worked like the 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 front the back store the warehouse and all that although she's mm-hmm. like just so you know there would never be such a big warehouse at the gap we, we get it shipped in i was like shut up I it's a horror movie <laughs> that's what i won where i was like yeah. i don't care don't let the ad know <laughs> no right no, he, he, he accepted that one <laughs> But um, but no. So it was based on the gap because she worked there. But there's the look of it is an amalgam uh, of different stores. Like uh, there was a store in Montreal called the American Apparel. Ironically enough, which was made in or not made in Canada. It was actually made in, in Los Angeles, but it was a Canadian company. H and M, you know, is a big one. They're a huge fast fashion uh, empire. Zara. So even though it was inspired by the gap, it's it's based on all these companies, and I did a lot of research. Um, yeah, I was the- evil. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. It, I didn't have to invent everything except the killer pants. They're sort of what you see is pretty much how they operate. If anyone doubts me, they can watch a film called The True Cost, the documentary, which really inspired Slacks. Oh wow. So it's not, uh, you know, I saw photos, I saw videos of, you know, eight-year-old girls picking cotton in India for these companies. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, uh, it's it's not, I didn't invent anything. Yeah. I actually was going to ask you if you had done any research on this. It just yeah. seems, it seems patently ridiculous when you're talking about killer pants <laughs> that, you know, hey, did you do any research yeah. into this? You know, but but that's the way this movie plays out is that there are things in this that you're like, I bet they did some research. Yeah. On oh, yeah. Well, even the characters, I mean, like Brett Donahue, who's outstanding in this mm-hmm. movie. But, uh, you know, I think some people maybe will look at Craig and think he's a little over the top. I've worked for that dude though. Like <laughs> so I know that guy have exists. Told me that. So many people. Have. Yeah. I, I've been, I've worked for people that would cover up a murder to, <laughs> to make sure 
we got our work done. I, I swear it's, I mean, I, I luckily I never had to find that out, but I'm guessing that would have, that would have been the case. So yeah. I'm sure. I mean, look, look at, uh, I'm diverging a bit, but like fossil fuel companies, they covered yeah. up climate change for God's yeah. sakes, which is yeah. resulting in thousands of people dying already. So it's, it's like a, a macrocosm of, of a greater problem, you know, that's what mm-hmm. I want Slacks to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about your cast here. Um, uh, I mean, you have, uh, you have, I mean, th- th- these, these are, these are all fun, uh, fun actors. I've never seen them before, but, uh, but I was falling in love with them during the, all of this. Uh, tell me about your casting process and how you were able to sell them on this movie. <laughs> well, they were, we went through a pretty, uh, basic casting process, except maybe for, for Craig, uh, mm-hmm. So we, we, you know, we put a call out and got self tapes, and then the uh, we did auditions in Montreal and in Toronto, um, and we just really picked the best people, and they just they loved it. They thought it was so loopy and ridiculous. At first, mm. some of them didn't know how to come into the audition because they just get sides, and they were like, "What is this?" So I explained it to them, and then they saw <laughs> that you know my myself and the two producers are normal you know that we're not insane um and so we once we explained a bit to them they're like okay they got it and then craig and this isn't at all like i'm so happy we we got brett donahue in the end but we were hoping to get maybe a bit more of a name at the beginning Mm -hmm. yeah and then people just weren't jumping on board and so it was quite late in the process that we we cast him but i'm so happy that we we got him in the end. He's so amazing. When I saw his audition, I was like, yes, yes, yes. This is exactly <laughs> who I pictured Craig to be. And we had a great, he's like the nicest guy. So we had a great time making him totally uh, lose, his, lose his marbles in the end. Yeah. Yeah. You get a, you get a great mix of characters who either they take this job way too seriously or they don't take it seriously enough, or yeah. they're just annoying in general. And of course, it's all, I believe, uh, uh, sort of inspired by the the terrible company that they work for. That they, they work in they work in ecosystems, not sections. <laughs> uh, you know, the <laughs> it's such a pretentious uh, type of thing uh, uh, for them to, to experience day by day. And it's so funny watching them compared to Libby who comes in, who is all starry eyed about the company and, and everything. Uh, I, I read, I actually saw an interview with you and is it Roman Denis? Yeah. Uh, where she said this was her first English language movie. Yeah. 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 She's amazing. I mean, yeah. I couldn't, believe that when i saw her interview i was like who's this and it was done in her basement on like an iphone i was like what is this, this is gonna be rubbish and then as, <laughs> as i was watching it i was like holy shit this is amazing she just mm-hmm. has a great ear for languages and she's immensely talented she's been acting since she was 10 she said wow yeah yeah and she just nailed it she had no trace of of an accent she didn't have a dialogue coach or anything she just showed up and spoke perfect english yeah it was amazing that is insane um and then i love to i'm i hope i'm not uh, messing up names but sahar bojani yeah it's pronounced the opposite way it's it's pronounced sahar but you have to oh (laughs) Oh my god i was way off so no but uh, she she, you know we um i only knew because she 
she told me. <laughs> uh, it's not something you know you read it and uh, and it sounds like when we she actually oh my gosh okay uh well uh she's awesome i yeah. I, uh, I uh the, she's another one There's just her expressions especially when she's introducing libby to craig at the beginning uh of this and and just kind of like okay this is what i just gotta have to kind of do this and then can i get out of here as soon as possible and and everything and then she becomes you know a much you know a much bigger character by the end of it and, uh, and everything uh, um i love her and i just i mean and then you know i mean i like this whole cast but like erica anderson playing peyton jewels oh she's amazing fantastic <laughs> she's amazing, and that yeah. they she nailed that youtuber thing completely yeah. um yeah, i had no idea that was a thing until i saw that documentary oh really and i was like are you kidding this exists i can't believe it it's such another level of wrong i was like i have mm -hmm. to put a character like that and she told me that she used to host this at a restaurant and she would see parties like promotional parties for, for objects um or whatever uh, brands of things and then she would see these youtubers come these influencers at these parties so she said she she really absorbed their vibe and she's the nicest person like i saw her obviously without makeup you know, for the rehearsals and stuff. And then I saw her on the set and I was like, what, how did you like turn into something so evil? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's quite, you know, uh, aware of everything of all the problems of fast fashion and consumerism and all that. So we had really amazing discussions prior to the film. I imagine. So the, the, uh, yeah, that character is just sort of, just like extra sprinkles on top of uh, how 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 horrible everything is and i mean you throw the boss in there too that's to be expected but when she comes in and is is you know supposed to be all giggly and bubbly about these pants and and when we find out what the truth is about those pants and the truth about that company is uh, you know, it becomes just even more, just even darker watching mm -hmm. her perform, uh, you know, in that, um, uh, it's, to, it's just, yeah, I, I, I just, I enjoy these type of movies. I'm glad <laughs> these movies exist. Yay! Uh, uh, you know, uh, the last one I saw like in this vein was rubber. I'm sure you've heard oh, yeah. that oh, word many it, yeah. times yeah. during all of this time, but like, uh, it, rubber was a, a movie that I saw in a theater and I thought yeah. it was just extremely fun. So, um, I'm glad that I'm glad that there's still ideas about this, the inanimate object, uh, being the, uh, the villain or whatever. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not exactly the true villain in this movie. Um, no. uh, you'll have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, what, uh, what movies uh, influenced you and are they reflected in this movie? Um, I'd say movies that influenced not the storyline so much, but the look, uh, probably mm. Italian films from the late sixties and early seventies. I really love Dario Argento. 
mm. uh, Bertolucci cool. and Antonioni. I really love their aesthetic. Um, yeah. So that's what influenced the look the most. Um, I mean, we were influenced, obviously, by classic slashers, but that was more Patricia's thing. She knew she knows all the slashers and she knows all the slasher conventions. So she made sure that we hit all the the right slasher notes. Um, oh, well, it follows. I love the way yeah. I love the, the lenses they used. So that yeah. was, I love wide lenses. And so um, I really enjoy that. And Neon Demon, too, the look of the. Oh, yeah. It's like over brightly lit um and then when you go into the more the darkness of the of the whole situation so those i would say those were my main influences visually but yeah for the for the story it's just you know a classic avenging angel mm -hmm. tale um it really comes from me wanting to like kill a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> or just you know i want you I shouldn't feel it. bad about saying that out loud <laughs> i'm writing a, a um, pilot for a, a tv show that i hope to get someday produced called global terror inc mm -hmm. and it's about uh, uh, teenagers who become sort of vigilantes against the uh, fossil fuel corporations and they kill Ooh. a lot of people in that one <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> i'm down yeah i'm totally i'm watching that for sure <laughs> what i'm saying is you've you've uh you've reached a safe place for uh, uh talking about your murder fantasy i just want you to know <laughs> what is it called syncast that's right yeah that's there correct. you go uh jonathan yeah well i i hope this i mean i guess I, I don't have to talk about like how it works into the plot, but I am curious about the Bollywood um, mm -hmm. oh, device yeah. that's used, which was amazing. Um, just how that came about. Well, um, it came about because at first we, when I had originally written it, um, I wanted to open it with a sort of a Bollywood number of, of, the scene you see at the beginning was supposed to be a Bollywood number. Oh, wow. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and I hope I'm not like offending anyone by this because uh, it's not my culture, but I do love Bollywood films. I, I watch them. I have one of my best friends in Toronto loves Bollywood. So whenever I go over there, we watch Bollywood films. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that the film actually was much darker and shouldn't start at all like that. But because the original idea was that, 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 um, there was this Bollywood number. It became sort of natural that it came back in the film because oh. the main character was going to be singing and dancing. So instead we have her and her, or her entourage of, of women sort of uh, singing a sort of a lullaby or folk song to give the idea that, you know, she's surrounded by music. And then when it, well, I, I'm going to try not to reveal anything, but when it <laughs> mm -hmm. comes back, then it, it made sense. And it's also like the monster has to have a weakness Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was interesting that it was a, a weakness that's really unexpected and that that seems to be akin to her character. And it, it plays into the Shruti character also, who's who sort of doesn't want to admit that she has a soft spot for Bollywood. And, and before, because it, it sort of all played uh, together. Um, and like I said, I, I don't want to offend anyone and pretend I'm uh indian and i know everything about uh bollywood but like i said like my friend has been and i have been watching bollywood movies forever and i think it's a universal appeal so yeah so oh, that's yeah. sort of how it came into it that i wanted to give the character a human 
trait. Like she loves this thing and it's a little bit her weakness and we all have that, you know, like I love chocolate and, uh, and that's how it came about. So it was really an organic sort of part of the, part of the character. And when I told the producers, like the, the, as I was write, writing the script, they were like, Oh my God, that's so ridiculous. We love it. Like <laughs> outrageous. How ridiculous. It's just so insane. Like, yeah. Well, they had already agreed to a movie about killer pants. So, I mean, I yeah. think at that point, that's I mean, true. you were, it was open season, right? You were just yeah. like, you know, there's going to be a dinosaur. Okay. That works. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I assume you shot this in a studio somewhere. Um, no, uh, we shot no. it on location. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, was that yeah. a gap? No, it wasn't. It was <laughs> in a, a closed down men's clothing store. Well, the the front. So the front was in this mall that had a lot of empty stores, storefronts. Mm. And then mm. the what's called the back store, the where all the offices are um, mm-hmm. in the corridors that was in a mall in up just outside Montreal. And we had to shoot that at night because the mall was operational. Oh, And then the warehouse was also shot in a real warehouse in Montreal, which was also operational. So we also had to shoot at night. So it was a hard shoot. We had about two weeks of night shoots. Um, mm. So yeah, it looks like a one place, but it's not, it was three places. And then the Indian part was shot in Montreal in a raspberry field, just on the outskirts of Montreal. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause it seems like the outside world is completely just blocked out in this yeah. area. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's by design, but yes, what was, yeah. what was the, what is that, is that so that what, what's the, the mess? I mean, I don't know if it's a message or if it's a, a thing that you're trying to uh, say with that? Well, I wanted it to be universal so that, yes, it's called the Canadian Clothing Company, so we're obviously in Canada, but I didn't want anyone to associate real life with it. And in a way, it's sort of like a a dream nightmare where you're caught in this world that seems very real, but it's sort of surreal at the same time. Mm -hmm. And and there's no need to ever see the outside. Um, And so Mm -hmm. in my imagination why see it if you don't need to see it? And it's, I think it, it gives a, an added layer of, of claustrophobia to the, to the vibe and the fact that, you know, companies are in these like self-contained bizarro units. So it was all that melded together. And I really like, I mean, my first film graveyard alive was, well, no, we had some exterior shots, but I really like hermetic stories that are almost, um, I don't know how you say it in English. In French, it's called reclos. It's like a closed-in, uh, like a closed-in scenario. And so hmm. I quite, I quite like that. And and some people were like, "Well, why don't we see the outside once in a while?" I was like, "No, nope, no. There's, it's a nightmare. You're caught in this like, mm-hmm. and you yeah. only see the outside when you're with uh, with Kirat in in India in a way to show that that is." The, outs- the real outside world of nature. I mean, yeah, they're being paid to pick cotton, so it's not uh, like a fun time, but it's it's also to create that sort of dichotomy between the outside and the inside. Right. I, I it, it's it's interesting, you know, like the outside would have been some unnecessary noise or yeah. static to what you were actually doing here. Uh, 
uh, it really does set that mood, whether you are conscious of it or not. Um, especially when there's a lockdown for an hour in there (laughs) where they can't even use phones and things like that, which is uh, a fun trick so that nobody ever has, nobody can call anybody or anything like that. You have to have that right. in like a monster movie, the, the monster in the house where they can't escape the Island. Like you, you have to, and that one, the first idea was like, no, no, I buy that. I buy the lockdown. I was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sadly, that probably happens. Uh, you know, the yeah. uh, people getting trapped in a store just so they can do their, you know, inventory or whatever, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. Oh, Patricia, that happened to Patricia that it's called a oh. turnover yeah. or the turnaround. I forget what. Um, so she's the one who told me about these nightly, these like nighttime uh, rushes to get the collection up. And uh, I don't know hmm. if I don't think your phones are are disarmed but i mean i know that in in like uh operas they have these devices that that shut down cell service in certain operas so people can't get calls so i figured well if it happens in like i think it's like in japan i'm like just pretend that this is what happens here well and if there was any company that would do it it would be this company for sure um like you know and they probably try to find a way to circumvent any laws that might be in the area somehow some way um uh what was your hardest day uh filming this oh for sure it was uh lord's death oh yeah yeah i mean i guess i'm giving something away but you know i think you see it in the trailer (laughs) um (laughs) no that was so difficult because we had this crazy rig that didn't quite work so in editing we had to reshoot part of it Mm. and kenny wong was amazing like he was covered in fake blood for i don't know how many hours but (laughs) we had a lot a lot a lot of coverage to do on that day and just you know technical problems it's always technical problems in film even with the best intentions so it was that and then you know we we tried as hard as we could to put it together with what we had but in the end we had to do like a mini half day reshoot just for that scene which made sense because it was such a complicated scene to do um we had like blood spurting and slacks attacking and like (laughs) stunts of him falling and like (laughs) everything put together when and when there's one thing it's okay but when there's like three different elements that are really complicated that's when everything just grinds to a halt and then you have to do resets because of the blood oh yeah oh my gosh i can't even imagine how long that would take i mean it just when i watch it on on film i'm just like oh my gosh how long i mean it 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 gives me a headache even thinking you're not supposed to think about these things when you're watching the movie but i was thinking about those type of things when watching the movie like (laughs) how long did this take this must have been insane uh you know uh even the first death which isn't really i don't think all that complicated it's complicated what's happening but like i feel like even that one probably was was tough to do you know Uh, maybe it wasn't i don't know i mean yeah no it was because it was such a small space yeah um and we couldn't we were in a mall so we couldn't remove anything like it, right. it was shot literally in this small, small space. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, it, like everything was shot on location. I mean, but um, we had. Yeah, I never work. even thought about that, though. So you can't like you can't take out a wall or no. or a door yeah. or. No. Yeah, I think we did take out the door, actually. Yeah, we took out the front <laughs> door of the, of the stall, but we couldn't move the stalls themselves. So 
but our DP was amazing. He had like all these crazy rigs and his team was really experienced. So they would just figure out these impossible shots. Um, it was hard. It was hard. It wasn't technically that hard. At first we thought we were going to have like a fake body, but that didn't, we didn't, we couldn't afford it. <laughs> um, and so we'd had to do it old school, you know, and in the end it worked, it worked pretty well. It was just a question of editing of, the rhythm of finding the right music. You know, I was actually really inspired by the soundtrack of Rubber. No, oh, really? So outrageous. And, yeah. and Quentin Dupieux does does his own uh, soundtracks. And so when I was like, oh my God, I can't figure this out. How's this going to work? It's sort of funny, but grotesque. Every If we went too, too horror, it didn't work. And if we went too funny, it didn't work. So I ended up using that soundtrack as a temp track. And then mm -hmm. we found the like the perfect, and then we were able to assume the the crazy editing of it um, when we had the music. It was really some so the editing of those pieces were very was very hard because of the tone actually. Yeah, well, and 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 you you just brought up a, a good point here because like the whole movie sort of toes that line, right? I mean, it's it's obviously ridiculous that we have a killer we have killer genes, but everybody has to kind of be on this. I mean, they're, I guess it's about 60% comedic level and 40% <laughs> serious. It's, it's, it's this weird balancing act. Yeah. That was really, really hard to achieve. The editor and I worked really hard because on paper, it was actually much funnier because of the descriptions, how I had written mm. the script. Right. And then because of the actors were so good and they added such depth, to the characters and because the cinematography was quite sort of slick all of a sudden this thing that on paper was ridiculous took this quite serious turn so it was really hard to get the balance right um and it's only when we sort of pinpoint at first we used to call it a horror comedy but then the editor uh miranda and i realized it was actually a satire and an ironic not funny and so when right. we sort of nailed that those terms it's everything sort of gelled but it was yeah quite, quite challenging well and it actually you know and, it, and i mean and, and it, you know it felt like there was actually you know uh stakes like it you know there was consequences and stuff which you know sometimes when people would do something along these lines it would be more you know like a sci-fi original film or something where they just go super broad mm. you know um and you just kept like like chris said you just towed that line so well it was really cool Thanks. I mean, I think it was partly the cast, uh, mm. partly the DP. Um, I wanted something that looked really slick. You know, I didn't want it to be uh, overlit, you know, um, I, because I quite like beautiful looking films. And so, and the end is, I'm not going to talk about the end, but, you know, <laughs> it does take this sort of serious turn at a certain point. So it was it was hard to achieve. And even though it was all there, it was sort of having to wrestle with that. And then, yes, I'm glad it worked. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, if you, if you make this too funny, then it's like Sharknado or something and people yeah. are like, well, that's dumb. And, uh, and then if you make it too serious, then, then you're taking yourself too seriously and it suddenly becomes Birdemic or the room or something like that. And, you know, it's, you know, the, it's it's really i think it is really hard to find this balancing mm -hmm. act so that's can't even uh, imagine 
So that's why I, I would highly recommend people to seek this movie out because it's, you know, it's it, at first it's like, what, what? I don't know about that, but yeah, give this a chance for sure. Um, I mean, you, you didn't cast Ian Zierig as Craig. So, you know, yeah, that probably. <laughs> it's very true. You know, we cast a serious dramatic actor. <laughs> um, Jonathan, do you have anything else? Well, I was just, um, um, actually, I, I'm, I'm glad we got into that because I was really curious about that, how you were able to, you know, toe the line like that. Uh, but uh, I don't know, just anything. Uh, do you have anything coming up? Any? Uh, can you talk about any of your uh, future projects? Sure. Um, I'm working with the same team on another feature. It's called Cher Obscure, which is in English means obscure flesh, but but obscure meaning like sort of shady. And it's a possession mm. movie. It's a midlife crisis possession movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Um, and it's set in Quebec. So that will be fun to actually like, it'll be the first time I make a film that's specifically set in my home province. Mm-hmm. And then I'm developing a bunch of TV stuff. So like the, the one I mentioned about the, the kids that kill, um, or who rather who terrorize the fossil fuel industry. Um, and then I wrote, um, uh, it was meant to be at first a feature, but it's turning into more like a, a limited series. It, it's a supernatural mystery called Night of the Pendulum, and it revolves around the mining industry, but it's told from more of like a mythological perspective. So it's like a, I'm creating a, a fable around what happens when we extract willy-nilly from the earth and the fact that we can't... Uh, we pretend that we have we can extract as much as we want, but eventually things are going to come home to roost. So that one's a mm-hmm. bit darker, and it's set in Canada, so it's set in a small mining town. And that's I always have a million things going. It's I never know really what's gonna <laughs> what's gonna get made. So if uh, if you talk to me, maybe next year it might be a totally different story. <laughs> All right. I don't know how you guys do it. We've we've talked to we talked to. Eh, I don't think it's all the time, but we talk to uh, a lot of people who are always like, I've got this going on and I'm directing this movie right now and I'm uh, editing this thing and I'm developing TV shows. And I'm like, I just, I got out of bed today and I started watching YouTube videos and um, then I like went upstairs and did a couple of things. And then you guys, by that time, by the time I get done with doing my couple of things, you guys have got three TV shows in development. So I you. I salute you for whatever you guys, you know, how you guys do that. It's like a disease. It's like, uh, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. I don't think you can help it. Um, all right. Well, uh, we'd like to uh, thank uh, Elsa for giving us her time. Thank you so much for uh, talking you. to us yeah, today. Yeah, awesome. Uh, the movie is Slacks. It comes out on VOD, Digital HD, and DVD on September seventh, and that's Slacks with two X's, guys. That's right. <laughs> that's what kind of that's kind of what kind of movie we're talking about. Here. So, if you do a sequel, is it is it just going to be three X's, or how's that? <laughs> Well, uh, to truth be told, the original title was Three X's, but then oh. the sales agent was like, no, that's not oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I got yeah, yeah, I see that. So yeah. we said, okay, well, two then, because at least two is better than one. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, thank you so much for talking to us. And uh, that's going to be it for this interview. It's Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, 
and wrecked. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.